0: Bibles with you, or if you want to grab a Pew Bible, or if you want to open a Bible app on your phone, you are more than welcome to do that as well. Uh, I just encourage you to open your Bibles to uh, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. That's where we will find ourselves this morning in First Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 through 19. But before we go too far into our passage this morning, which I could stand here and say, it's going to be a short sermon, but also, I know me, and you know me, and you know that's probably a lie. Uh, So we're working on it. We're working on it. But I do want to leave us time for the annual meeting uh, that will be occurring after this service today. And you're encouraged to stick around and we'll hand out annual reports at the end of the service. We didn't give them to you when you came in because I didn't want the numbers to be a distraction for what Jesus wants to speak to all of us today. Uh, And I really do believe that he has a message for us. But If you'll notice on the front cover and the title of the sermon is uh, The Generous Life. The Generous Life. And this is going to become the ongoing sermon title series, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But it's not going to happen in consecutive weeks. But it's going to happen four times a year when we update all of you on the current status of the church. How are we doing financially? What's going on? We want to be transparent with you. We're trying to be really intentional in stewarding what the Lord is doing with us. Not just financially, but with every aspect of the church. Because we are called to give not just our treasure, but also our time and talents. What has the Lord been doing and calling you to Maybe just like Samuel, maybe just like Isaiah, as we heard that wonderful anthem this morning, what is God saying to you for you to respond, here am I, Lord? Here am I. And so as we prepare ourselves for going over this annual report and having this annual meeting to talk about all the things of last year, kind of consider it our state of the church, right? What have we been through and where are we going? And so that's what I'm really hoping to kind of explore after the service, but what is God calling to us right now, right? It's not just about the money and the financials, which God has done some really big things, and I'm so excited to talk about those also this afternoon, but what I really want to turn to this morning is where is God calling you to serve in this body? How is he calling you to serve in this body? As you came in this morning, you probably saw there's a table set up in the narthex that you don't normally see. And maybe you took a moment and you looked at that table and you saw a whole bunch of signups, And maybe, like me, you looked at those lists, at least as I was laying them out, and I was like, oh my goodness, we're asking for people to sign up for a lot. But what I was also then encouraged by was the next thought I had, which is, yeah, but some of these are like once a month that happen, and if everybody in the church signed up for the once a month, then literally we wouldn't need anyone to sign up for the next three years if everyone signed up for a once a month thing. Or if you signed up for one of the once a week things and everybody in the church signed up, then the entire year would be covered and you'd only have to serve once that entire year in doing that one thing. And so I'm encouraged that Yeah, we have a lot of areas in the church that we need people to serve. But also, as the church, if everybody steps up, then it becomes less of a burden on everybody. And so I want us to look at this passage this morning about what it looks like to live generously. Not just financially but with the good works that God is calling all of us into. And so let's read this passage this morning together from 1 Timothy chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. So that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Let us pray this morning as we prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God. Good and gracious Lord, as we hear these words, these words of Paul to Timothy, Lord, I pray that we would hear them well. God, I pray that our own hearts would be open to receive. What it is that you want to speak to us? God, that we, like Samuel and Isaiah, would hear you calling out to us and we would respond, Here am I, Lord. Where would you have me go? Where would you have me serve? Where would you have me work? What is it that you want me to do? And so, Lord, lead us and guide us this morning as we hear faithfully your word. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. One way to think about this passage before we go too quickly We've recently been talking about having rhythms in our life. Rhythms of spirituality that lead us and transform us into relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, maybe this could be an extension, in a way, of that sermon series on rhythms. Only this time... We're not talking about rhythms of worship and prayer and fellowship, but a rhythm of work. Because as much as we spoke about Genesis and how the first thing that Adam and Eve were commanded to do was to rest that first day, the other thing was to work in the garden, to till the soil to prune the branches. And so as much as we are called to rhythms of rest in spirituality, we are also called to a rhythm of work in our lives, to rhythms of service, particularly service toward the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that that exclusively happens within the context of church. Church. But it is a means by which it does happen. And the church cannot thrive and flourish without her body working within it. I know y'all think I'm pretty great. And that everything in this church happens because I do it all, right? I know that's what y'all think, is that I do everything, you know? No, of course not. None of you believe that. If it weren't the hands of so many people in this church getting things together, this would not be a church that could flourish. This would not be a church that is held together. There are so many of you that serve in so many ways. But there are so many more of us that could be serving still, that have places that we could plug into what the Lord might be calling us to in this community. And so as we open up our passage today, we read that first verse in 17 And it says, Command those who are rich in this present age. We're going to stop right there. We are rich in this present age. Wherever you fall on the economic spectrum, in Griffin even, compared to the world, we're rich. All of you probably got here in a car this morning. None of you had to walk. All of you are clothed in nice clothing. You probably have a roof over your heads. You're probably already thinking about the meal that you're going to eat When I stop talking. And yet there are people in the world that have no form of transportation. That don't have clothes. That don't have a roof over their heads and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so when Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age... He's talking to us. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. There is something that we have to respond to because we are the rich ones. We are the wealthy ones. We are the ones that have. That's not to say that there are not areas in our life where we might struggle compared to maybe somebody else in this body. That's not to say that there aren't things that you're going through, maybe some financial hardship, maybe some layoff, maybe some work struggle. I'm not going to deny that that exists among us. Because it exists. And the economic disparity exists in this country. But, I still go back to You are in a car this morning, no matter the age of it. You have a roof over your heads, and you have food in your bellies. And so by that standard, we're rich. And so, what does that mean for us? Well, don't be haughty. I love that word. That's such a good word. Don't think more of yourself just because you have wealth it doesn't usually set up for good things when you think more of yourself in that way but i really don't think that's really the full message that paul is trying to get at i think it's really that second part or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches do not set your hope on the uncertainty of riches like i said there are probably going to be moments that we struggle financially compared to somebody else. We might not, might not make as much. We might get laid off of our job. We might have a big medical expense that we weren't expecting. All four tires blow on 16. I don't even want to think about having to replace that. Actually, I can give a great example. It was m- literally within my first three months here, the, what I thought was my transmission completely died on Hill Street downtown as I was backing into the flow of traffic and then it just stopped working on me and three teenage girls that got blocked had to help push my car back into the parking spot. Not what I was expecting when I moved to Griffin. And then I worried because like how can I afford to fix this? And by some great work of some very uh, great people in this church, uh, they, somehow, I still don't know how, got it covered under warranty, <laughs> and it cost nothing to get fixed. Because I'm still looking for how this was like recalled, but that's what they determined, and so it could be fixed. Without cost to me. And so I understand that I can't put my faith in my money. I can't put my faith in material things. I can't say that what I have today, I am guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus probably spoke about money more than anything else when he was walking this earth. Don't believe me, we're just going to turn to three parts in Matthew real quick. And I'm going to read these to you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. I'm going to skip and jump to 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. So don't try. Because if you become a lover of money, you're going to forget God. Because you're going to be more about what you accumulate than who you belong to. That's actually why I think God calls us to tithe, to give first fruits. is because it forces us to relinquish that what we usually set up as an idol. I can tell you firsthand how money can so easily control. And you can become so worried about it. And when we were talking about everything that we were going through last year as a church and how much the Lord convicted me about my own giving to my church, oof because I was more concerned about what I had in my bank account than what I was able to contribute to the kingdom. And he had to flip that whole thing up on its head. And this year, I am just committed to the moment that paycheck drops. It's the first thing I send. And even this morning, we had a little bit of paycheck trouble this past week. And guess what? I panicked. Go figure. As much as I repent from my attachment to money, money still controls me a little bit. But then, uh, by the grace of God, Kaylee worked everything out and paycheck hit my account later in the day. But I forgot to give. And I literally woke up this morning and I just heard this little voice. So you're going to give to me this week? I was like, oh my gosh. So I literally just pulled up giving app. It's not an app. It's on the website. We don't have an app. Uh, pulled it up on the website and did my giving. Because I want to be committed to that. It's something that I'm committed to because I don't want to be controlled by my finances. I want to be able to say, like, Lord, I'm giving my first fruits to you. And my goal throughout this year is to try to keep increasing it. And by the end of the year, see what I can get to. Like, that's actually kind of really exciting to me. I'm really excited to see where I can get to in my giving by the end of the year. Because I still have bills to pay. A lot. I don't like bills. They're not fun. But I don't want to be controlled by money. And I feel like I'm taking way too much time. But this is so important. Part of the generous life is to not let money control you. To not be so consumed by what you have in your bank account. And to be able to say, Lord, I am so willing to not be controlled by it that the moment that I get it, I'm giving it back to you first. I want to give it back to you. Because all that I have anyway is from you. All of it is yours. It's not mine You're just giving me an opportunity to steward it well. P.S. I haven't. But I'm trying. I'm trying every day to be a better steward of that which God has so graciously given me every two weeks. And what you have graciously agreed to pay me. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So let us not be controlled by that, what we have by that which we have. But more than that, I'm going to move forward. I had a couple other scriptures. I said we were going to read three, but the other one is Matthew 19, 23 through 26. And that's the story of the rich young ruler, where Jesus says it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle. We should take note of that because that's an important story for us to consider because we are rich. And then the last one is Matthew 14, 44, and I am going to read this one because I think it's really important as to what it leads to. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Do you th- believe that what you have been inherited as children of God is worth so much that you are willing to sell all that you have to be a part of it? The kingdom of heaven is so amazing. It's so good. That we should be willing to get rid of everything that we have to purchase it. Here's the good news. The kingdom isn't for sale. You can't actually buy it. But you can give your whole self over to it for free. He's offered it to you through Jesus. Through his sacrifice. He paid for it. For you and for me. But if we attach ourselves to the things of this world, we will never experience the kingdom the way that God intends us to. We read the, past, the psalm this morning for our call to worship, Psalm chapter 16. But I love verse 11. You will make known to me the path of my life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever more the treasure that we receive in god is a pleasure far greater than any material thing look i love coffee you all know i love coffee i have all the coffee things billy was at my house this just this past week uh spraying for some bugs i'm really thankful that he comes and sprays for bugs But he started talking about looking at my coffee setup and all the coffee things and he's like you have a lot of coffee stuff yes i do because i love coffee and i love every which way to prepare it i have pour overs i have kettles i have two different kinds of grinders who needs two grinders coffee people they're weird i have an espresso machine All that is great stuff, and I love it, and I'm thankful for it, but it will never be able to give me the kind of pleasure that comes just from knowing Jesus. As much as I love a really good cup of coffee in the morning as I sit down, it's in the sitting down and being with Him that brings me joy, not the cup of coffee. The pleasures that we get when we're in intimate relationship with God are far and abundantly more greater than anything that we can receive in material gain. And that is something that I am learning more and more and more every day. I encourage you to explore that. And so in this Timothy passage... He goes on, but it's on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That sounds exactly like that psalm we just read. God is the provider. He is the one who gives. And so he says, command them to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I think part of that is 100% about our money being generous in giving monetarily, but I really believe that his focus here is on what are you doing? How are you serving the kingdom? Let us work for God. Let us submit ourselves, giving away of our time, which we all think we don't have enough of, giving away of our talent, which we want to reserve for our jobs instead of trying to use them in the church. Giving away our service to the very things that God might be calling us to. Have you heard the voice of the Lord calling out your name? And are you responding, here am I, Lord. What would you have me do? We have a lot of great questions things in this church where we need people. We need people to help serve in children's ministry. We need people to help with youth as we begin to launch that. We need people to help greet people when they show up. We need people to help serve communion. We need people to help prepare communion. We need you, the body To serve and to serve well, to serve generously, to be intentional about saying, you know what, I can give you more than just a week in the entire year, I'll give you a month. Or maybe you've never served in the church before, then just start with a week. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm really hoping, that when we release from our meeting today that all of you are out there putting your name down on all of those lists. And then we'll get it worked out. We won't overwork you if we all participate. We can't be overworked if we all participate. But if only a few keep participating, then they're going to get burned out, and then they're not going to want to participate, and then we'll have nobody participating. And this is so important. I'm going to just turn our attention to this last verse, verse 19. You're storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what is life indeed. I really do believe that, you know, there's this one thing. I really am not a fan of the idea of legacy church. People leaving plaques on everything like Oh, I donated this, and I gave to this, and so my name's on this door, in this room, in this pew, in this Bible, in this hymnal, and I know we have that. I'm not, I'm not sh- like trying to disgrace that, but I'm not a big fan of it. But what I am a fan of is the legacy that you leave behind of your spiritual legacy that when you choose to serve in our children's ministry, they know you by name, and that when they come and recognize their own faith, you're part of that story. I'm a real big fan of that kind of legacy. I'm a real big fan of when a visitor comes to our church, the person that greets them talks to them and knows their name. And that person knows their name, and they can say, I'm at first press because so and so said hi to me. That's the kind of legacy I want us to leave. I want us to leave a spiritual legacy that is, I quote, a treasure of a good foundation for the future. I can't tell you how many times I hear from some of y'all I'm not going to be here forever, I'm not going to be around, my days are numbered. hopefully not as numbered as you might be thinking. You've got time. But you're not wrong. But the truth is, all of our days are numbered. I don't know if I'm going to be given tomorrow. So what am I leaving today that's leaving a legacy of spirituality for the generation tomorrow? I'm so thankful for what Beth and her family have been doing doing for this church and children's ministry, but what are we doing to come alongside her? How are we helping? How are we serving? What are we doing if we aren't leaving a spiritual legacy behind, rather than just a monetary one? That's my encouragement to us today. That we would look forward at these works that the Lord has poured out before us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are His workmanship, and He has left good works already for us to walk in. But for us to walk in them, we have to be willing to hear His voice say our name, and us respond, here am I. What would you have me do? And so are you here? Do you hear him? What is he calling you to in service to this body? Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for this rhythm of life that's not just work, but service to your kingdom, an exciting time to be a part of all that you are calling us to. Lord, lead us as only you can as we hear your voice and discern the ways in which we can serve, the time that we do have. But I do want to add this, because I didn't say it, Lord, that we'd also recognize the limits that you've placed upon us. As excited as we might be to sign up, we also have to acknowledge, I can't do it all, because none of us can. That's why we're the body and we come together, and may we recognize that we are the body so. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.